Business as usual is challenged every day. It's not about if disruption occurs, it's when. On this original show from Castellan Solutions, we're learning from the world's best leaders, so you can be ready for whatever comes next. I'm Cheyenne Marling. And I'm Brian Zawada. Well, Cheyenne, just like that, we're wrapping up season two of Business Interrupted. Has it flown by as quickly for you as it has for me? Oh, yes, it has flown by so quickly. And this season, we had so many incredible guests that there were so many great takeaways and moments that it really just flew by. It's been another great season. And I, for one, am grateful for all the conversations we've been lucky enough to have. We've spoken with outstanding leaders across industries, and I've learned a lot along the way. Brian, have any moments stuck out to you in particular this season? Oh, absolutely. I I agree with you completely. We've had some outstanding guests, and I'm already looking forward to season three, just as a side note, because there's just so many additional conversations I wish we could have snuck in to season two. But conversations regarding just kind of moving the needle on cyber response, continuing challenges from a third-party risk supply chain perspective, and even introducing the topic of dynamic risk with our first guest, Ann Pickren. Those were some of those moments that really stood out. So what about you, Shai? What are some of your favorite moments? Oh, there are so many. I really love speaking with Shane from Zoom, how he brought in uh, gamification concepts with his exercises. One in particular was uh, sinking the battleship. And uh, each battleship is tied with some type of component or product line within the business. So one for technology and personnel and applications. So I thought that was just brought a little fun factor to program planning. Really love Scott's conversation from Netflix. He brought in his previous experience with Java programming and really incorporating object-oriented programming that code that can be reusable. So making some of the components of his program reusable, thinking outside of the box, being creative. He doesn't have to follow the quote-unquote, you know, typical way of putting together a business continuity plan. Also really love Justin Pearson, speaking with him along with Andrew Velasquez. The airport industry has always been so just fascinating to me and understanding how they had to go about, especially when COVID first hit and Justin being in LAX, having to really go about the screening process for all of the travelers coming from Asia. And then finally, really, really love speaking with Elaine Boltz. I love the fact that she brought in stepping outside of her comfort zone as a professional kind of decision along her way. Like she always incorporates challenging herself. And um, that's how she approaches every type of, type of role or, 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 or challenge in, in stepping out of her comfort zone and being ready for that next challenge. Those were some great moments. You know, in addition to those, those favorites that we've just uh, identified and discussed, I think we both noticed a few themes across the season as well. For example, Jim Castle, he's the chief information security officer at Kimberly Clark. He broke down what a good cyber response plan looks like and how it's evolved in recent years. Here he is explaining the importance of muscle memory in responding to cyber attacks in our environment. What's different is the fact that cyber attacks move so rapidly that you don't have time to think. It's got to be muscle memory and you've got to have the right answer response plan. You've got to have automation that quarantines automatically. You better quarantine first, then figure out if you over quarantine and back off from there. Elaine Boltz, Chief Operating and Transformation Officer at Crocs, also shared about the importance of cybersecurity and business resilience. 
Here she is explaining how her team thinks about risk management in technology. I have to say as well, because I, I oversee technology, cybersecurity has has really amped up, right? We've always been concerned about it, but with the pandemic happening, we certainly, like everyone else, kind of a, a surge in attempts for kind of fraud and cybersecurity. And so that part of our business has really become a big part of how we think about resilience, risk management, et cetera. So I, I think we're thinking about the world as having much more risk than we ever saw before. And so that not only means controlling it, but how do you keep flexibility in it? And how do you accept that as a way of doing business going forward? And you know, with the recent conflict in Ukraine and the geopolitical tensions continuing to escalate, some worst case scenarios have become reality. Michael Bratton, a director of consulting at Castellon, emphasized the need to prepare for severe yet plausible scenarios. He shared how he's thinking about supporting people in crises, especially after the initial shock has subsided. What do we do with our employees that are in a sanctioned country? Or as we see some of these tech companies get sanctioned and we start to lose the ability to communicate with employees, how do we get in touch with people, track them, not necessarily monitor them, right, but make sure that they're okay. So what I'm seeing right now is the knee-jerk kind of done, but how do we deal with those lingering effects? And what sort of redundant means do we have to be able to, to do outreach and help people and help them get through these, these tough times? In a similar vein, Matthew Horace, Chief Security Officer at Mayo Clinic, joined us to talk about moving forward in the midst of tragedy. He reminded us the importance of maintaining empathy while doing what needs to be done. Well, I think it's important to maintain empathy and compassion for your people because even during the worst of the worst circumstances, we get into this tactical mindset and it, it almost becomes transactional. What are the list of things that we need to accomplish between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m.? But at the end of the day, our people are the ones that are responsible to accomplish those tasks. Recovery after crisis was another topic that came up throughout the season. Andrew Velasquez, first deputy aviation commissioner for the Chicago Department of Aviation, shared that planning and preparation are what enable his team to maintain continuity. Here he is explaining that part of preparation means looking forward to recovery even while the initial response is still happening. We had to instill confidence in the traveling public. And so we did that through the strategic planning cell. We did that through all of our mitigation efforts. We did that through all of our regular stakeholder calls. And then concurrent to all of that, we started developing our recovery reconstitution plan because we knew that there's significant overlap between a response and reconstitution. And so we needed to make sure that as we were working the response, we were already thinking about how we were going to bring things back to full operation, so to speak. Throughout the season, we covered and learned best and leading practices, as well as principles that translate across industries. Mark Armour, co-author of the book, Adaptive Business Continuity, A New Approach, joined us to share what he's learned from studying resilience management. And in our conversation, we took a unique approach. We emphasized common ground between adaptive and Castellan's business continuity operating system framework. Just because we can predict an event doesn't mean we, we can always predict and anticipate the consequences of that event. We can set ourselves up for failure if we think we can predict consequences. When we think about what pandemic planning looked like in 2019, it was largely about, well, how am I going to operate if I lose a certain percentage of my staff? 
What we didn't anticipate was, well, what are we going to do if most of my customers go away because we're in the entertainment or the travel industry? What are we going to do if, if we suddenly see a, a huge loss of staff because now people don't want to come into the workplace and perhaps we're mandating that? So there's a whole host of other things around which we might have to make decisions on the fly. And if we try too hard to predict what we may experience. And if we prepare for that, then sometimes we're going to be caught off guard and maybe find ourselves less prepared than we'd like to be. Scalability was a key theme this season as well. Scott Baldwin, head of enterprise resilience at Netflix, explained his approach to scaling business continuity and shared how to look at business continuity in a different light. Here he discusses the problem with trying to scale traditional methods. I quickly realized that traditional BCDR is not super scalable. The way people run these programs are you have a central group. They have a schedule, January through December. You go and you would approach different departments and you make sure that they have their plans and their exercises. And you do that all year. And then come January, you start over. The problem is it's not scalable at all. If you cannot do the whole enterprise, in that 12 months, you have to hire more people. And then additionally, if anything happens, an actual incident or some kind of unexpected event occurs, it puts you off and you're always behind and you're always trying to catch up. And I have yet to work a year where something hasn't happened. It's just a very difficult program to be successful with. Defining success in navigating a critical business event can be difficult. Ann Pickering, Chief Customer Officer at OnSolve, shared her tips for crafting a business resilience program and explained three key elements for successful critical event management, speed, relevance, and usability. It starts in risk intelligence. And we always talk about speed, relevance, and usability. So whenever you're looking at risk, you're trying to see how fast you can get the information. But making sure it's relevant and it's not just this massive flow of useless information of which the one key piece gets lost inside of that. So the key of relevance is back to your so what. If something is going to happen, what is the impact it's going to have to me in downstream? What do I need to do? And usability of that information to be able to take it and apply it into the results program that you've built. When starting a business continuity program, it's easy to get hung up trying to make everything perfect. Shane Matthews, Senior Manager of Business Resilience at Zoom, found the key to success is identifying the quick wins to move your program forward. The day you got hired, you have a few weeks of getting to the organization. You might start building out your tool sets and identifying you know, where are you going to do your BIA. You build your BIA tool. You eventually get all the business done of BIAs. And depending on how big your organization, that could be months or weeks. Some organizations take like a year to just run through and do every single work unit. And that's even before you actually build plans. So that runway is so long that by the time you produce some tangible result, it's so far past when you started. That was one of my biggest takeaways is like, you got to win fast. Those were a lot of great highlights from the season. Before we wrap up, what are some of your takeaways you want our audience to walk away with? Well, Cheyenne, I can think of three things that stand apart from everything else. Number one, and, and this came up throughout, but I think Mark Eggleston from CSC brought it up 
a couple times actually, which was that you can't predict everything. You can't prevent everything and you're not going to have a whole lot of notice. So you really need to be prepared for whatever comes at you and recognizing that it's my words. It's not a question of if, but when, so that was, that was certainly number one, a uh, number two, which was a, a topic that really crossed all of the conversations. And that's the importance of engagement with really all stakeholders. And that includes both in and outside the organization, because the strength of engagement has a direct correlation to the strength of resilience. And so we heard that over and over along the way as well. You know, and I mentioned in our kind of recap of the season, Ann Pickering's comments around dynamic risk and the fact that there might be some issue threat that might come at you, but you got to be prepared for the second, third order consequences. And again, that theme, which again, Ann called dynamic risk, that theme came up over and over again. And I think we as, as resilience professionals need to be prepared for the second, third order consequences all the time. I really love the, the, what you just mentioned about the engagement, because that's so key and being ready. I think some of my key takeaways, you know, keep it fun because what you're doing with planning, it, it has to transcend across the entire organization. And if you're really passionate about what you do and you're keeping it fun and you're engaging others, that that kind of compassion for what you're doing is just contagious across the entire organization. Again, really just pointing to Scott Baldwin's comment about thinking outside the box, being creative with your program. You don't have to do everything the same way as everyone else. In fact, it's better if you don't, you know, map the program that's going to work to the culture of your organization and use that creativity to, to kind of make it your own and fit to the needs of the organization as well. And then I can't help but think about, you know, Elaine Bolts and it was interesting Really interesting to talk to her because she does engage at the board level and getting her understanding of how that view of resilience management has really changed because of COVID, because of supply chain, because of geopolitical issues and how her program and organization has really had to hone in on that organizational agility and quickly pivot and, and understand what are the top priorities. So I thought that was just a really key takeaway as well. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up creativity. I think that's so important. It's a great theme that your guests brought to the podcast in season two, because, you know, we always talk about what does good look like? And you, you kind of describe that as the what, but how there's so many different ways to get to good and creativity is important. I think going through and just the, the rote repeatability of methodology, quite frankly, that's kind of boring. For resilience professionals and it, you know, and if not done well and not done creatively, it's boring for our stakeholders outside the program too. So I'm really, really glad that that came up. Yeah, we definitely don't want to be boring, do we? <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Business Interrupted. I'm Cheyenne Marling. And I'm Brian Zawada. To get more insights and resources, check out the show notes or head over to castellonbc.com.